0: Christian, We want our vision as a church. So, you ever tried to do a job with the wrong tool? Yeah, of course you have. Pretty annoying, isn't it? Trying to do a job with the wrong tool. I routinely experience this frustration, just a bit of this wrong tool frustration, uh, because the handle of the door on our fridge that you pull, you know, 20 times a day, That handle on our fridge at home comes loose about every two to three days (laughs) So we keep a screwdriver in the junk drawer right next to it And uh, I am constantly tightening the screw on our fridge handle, but here's the kicker It takes a phillips head But no lie for at least the last five years in our junk drawer We have been put putting up with tightening uh, that phillips screw with a flathead screwdriver Folks, something is seriously wrong with the margins in your life when you can't find the time over a span of five years to exchange a flathead screwdriver with a Phillips. So we've been putting up with this frustration every couple days. It's not like we, by the way, don't have a Phillips head screwdriver in the house somewhere. We do. But we've been putting up with that for two to three days, the wrong tool for the job. In fact... um, I remember one time It's been many years ago um, I had to dig a a fairly large hole uh, For something that we were planting outside It was a large bush or something like that And and for the life of me All I could find At the Wakefield house Was a tiny little garden spade (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're mocking me at this point (laughs) If you can't tell We at the Wakefields' house Aren't exactly toolsy Or outdoorsy Okay so, of course, what did I do? I started digging. <laughs> I mean, who's got time and energy uh, to, to go drive six minutes to the local hardware store and spend $10 uh, that will save you hours and hours and blisters on your hand and back pain for the next three days, right? Not this stubborn guy. So... For about 10 minutes, I'm, I'm digging with a garden spade. And it didn't last long. I, you know, I threw it down and said, this is ridiculous. So I, went to, the <laughs> I went, went to the hardware store, which any rational person should do, of course. I did what I should have done in the first place. I went to the hardware store for the third time that day. And I faced the shame of the employees looking at me going, oh, I recognize you. You're the guy who has no clue what he's doing. Yes. So I finally had a moment of humility and, and bought the right tool the job and uh, got a free lesson in humility. So here's the question, friends. <laughs> why is it uh, that, that that most of us don't think a thing um, of going to the store to get the right tool for the job when it comes to like everyday projects and the temporary stuff of this world? Uh, why is it that we don't think a thing of going to the store to buy find the right tool for that kind of job? But when it comes to the condition of our souls and our hearts and how to grow in godliness and how to to fight off sin in our own lives, we think we can continue to do the job with a flathead screwdriver and a garden spade. Why do we think, for some reason, when it comes to the condition of our hearts, we can do the job with superficial outward change or just more human willpower? Friends, most of us approach the care of our souls with a garden spade when what we really need is a friend who knows how to you know, operate, a, operate a backhoe or something like that, right? What we really need is just a little bit of courage. Why do we put up with the wrong tools for the job of the inner person? Why do we put up with the wrong tools for the job of spiritual growth, caring for our souls, and fighting sin? I think there are a few reasons. Let me delineate just a few before we jump into some help. I think many of us believe that we know better than our Creator what we really need. And so we continue to pursue uh, sort of time-bound management of the world's resources to bring us the temporary safety and comfort that we at least know we can depend on, right? Like we are skeptical of the joy promised in the security that Christ produces and provides for us. Also, I think, second reason, I think that we were trained, many of us, were trained by a sort of superficial, outward form of cultural change to try harder and to look holier as if fitting into a church culture and sounding like a Christian is the same as actually being one? I also think that many of us, frankly, are riddled with fear at merely the idea, not even the execution, but the idea of having to admit that our hearts are at root bent toward sin. We we are riddled with fear at the idea, men especially, (laughs) of even thinking about verbalizing that we need help. Not only are we scared of being found out, but we don't actually understand well the process of becoming spiritually strong. Let's be real. Most of us weren't, weren't told, here are the tools for how to fight sin in your life. So let's be honest before we jump into Ephesians 6 here. When it comes to the care of our souls and how to fight off sin, most of us... Continue to put up with working with the wrong tools. And so we pursue the world's temporary comforts because we we know we can depend on them. We know how that works. Or we do things like we work harder uh, to will ourselves, like to will ourselves in our power to a form of external change instead of rooting out heart issues. Or we go inward and we push down the issues because we're scared of being found out. But friends, when it comes to to fighting off sin and caring for one's soul, all of those methods of soul care do is give us blisters and back pain. It's all window dressing. It's all window dressing because they are the wrong tools for the job. The main lesson today, friends, is you cannot fight spiritual battle with human weaponry. You cannot fight spiritual battle with human weaponry. This is why the Apostle Paul here uh, wrote Ephesians 6. He knows that the Christian life is at heart a spiritual battle. The Christian life is at its essence a spiritual war. Jump in with me at Ephesians 6. A lot of great stuff here at the end of the letter. He says this, starting in verse 10. Finally, meaning this is his conclusion to the letter. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now, the main command of this whole passage here, of this whole section, shows up at the very beginning. He says, be strong. You may want to circle, underline that. It says, be strong. And this command to be strong comes with an important qualifier, a very important clarification as to how to be strong. Look at verse 10 again. It says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Meaning this is a command, this is a command to be strong, not in self, not in human resources of willpower, or your smarts, but in the strength of God's might. This is because Paul knows that the Christian battle is a within battle. It's a spiritual war at heart, first and foremost. This is because, friends, real heart change is not something we manipulate on the outside. Your human willpower can't make it happen. That's because real heart change, Paul knows, requires real power. It only happens because of the power of God. So Paul says we have to do this. Look at verse 11. Put on, be dressed in, the whole armor of God, all of God's spiritual weaponry, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil so he says you become strong in the Lord by wearing God's weaponry, his armor. And the result is being able to stand against the schemes of the devil. This word stand shows up four times here in this passage. Because Paul's saying uh, the Christian life is about being able to stand up to evil and sin. Not just in the world, but here for you. That's the first front lines of the battle. Because the real battle is waged on the inside of you and of me. Keep reading. He says it this way. For we do not wrestle. Notice the intensity of the struggle there. That word wrestle. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Meaning we don't wrestle against the worldly powers. We don't wrestle against worldly powers, flesh and blood. But we wrestle against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness. And then then he says it this way. Against the spiritual forces of evil. In the heavenly places, in the spiritual world, in other words. Uh, heavenly places is just a Hebrew way of saying uh, where the uh, spiritual stuff happens. Now, don't miss what he's saying here. He's saying our struggle is not primarily against non Christians, it's not primarily against political powers. It's not against the mainstream media. It's not against increasingly secular institutions of higher education. Our enemy, if you follow Jesus, your enemy is Satan and the spiritual forces of evil. Your life is at root a spiritual war. And it requires God's power. And here's the kicker. It is most essentially waged in our own hearts every day. Look what he says here. He's not telling us to put, to put God's armor on other people. He's not telling us to troll around trying to find people. Uh, I'm pretty sure you need God's armor. He's saying it starts with us first. He's reminding us that if we are going to do and we're going to be who and what God's called us to do and be, then we must have hearts that are soft and ready to hear all of the ways in which a holy God wants to deal with our sin. That was good, y'all. You need to write that down and live by it. The front lines of spiritual warfare is our own hearts. The front lines of spiritual warfare is our own hearts. Because if we're going to do and to be who and what God called us to do and be, then we must have hearts that are soft, that are molded by Him, that are malleable and ready and prepared to hear all the ways in which a holy God wants to deal with our sin. So He gives us some instructions. He says, verse 13, Therefore because this is a spiritual job that requires spiritual tools, therefore take up, uh, meaning they're there. You can have them. They're ready for you to take. Uh, Take up is actually a military, a technical military term used with uh, the Roman military um, to talk about their preparation for battle. So he says, take up the whole armor of God, all that he offers, that you may be able for the purpose of being able to withstand in the evil day, which is today. Today's the evil day. He's not talking about some far off someday. He's saying we're already living in the end times. The war is going on now. So take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And then he says, having done all, having done all that, he says to stand firm. Let me summarize where we are thus far by saying this. If this life we live is spiritual war and it's a war against a a spiritual foe, you cannot defeat By your human power Then to be the one left standing Requires supernatural strength So that's where we are Up to this point So the question How do we access How do we access God's power For our fight against sin Look at verses 14 to 18 With me here These are ways that we access God's power for our fight against sin Verse 14, first word, stand. This is the fourth time Paul uses this word stand. He's obviously emphasizing being equipped equipped to stand in the fight against sin. So each one of these suggestions here is a part of standing. So stand, therefore, suggestion one, having fastened on the belt of truth, meaning when you've sort of tightened your belt Right? Like you're ready. When you've tightened your belt with the truth of the gospel that sets you free, then you're ready to battle against the lies that used to accuse you and imprison and condemn you. That's what he's saying there. Having fastened on the belt of truth, second thing, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, meaning when you when you hold fast, when you hold fast to the idea of that you have been made right with God, then you are ready to battle against the accuser who condemns you. And then as shoes for your feet, he keeps going here, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, which is a way of saying when you share the peace that you have because of Christ then you're ready to battle against a world that tries to squeeze you into its mold of discouragement and despair. He says in all circumstances, verse 16, always take up the shield of faith, meaning total reliance upon God. Take up the total reliance of God uh, upon God's shield with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Meaning so when, when the lies come at you, And the world promises what it can't deliver. A total reliance upon God is what what undoes the arrows of temptation and sin and doubt and lust and, and despair and anger. And then he says, take on, take the helmet of salvation, which is just a way of saying, protect your mind. Protect your mind with this new truth that you've been raised with Christ, as Paul says earlier in Ephesians. And then here's our focus for today. Prayer and word. This is what we're going to especially hit on uh, in practical terms here in just a second. He says this, verse 17, and take, that word take applies to all of those weapons there, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Hebrews 4 says uh, the Word of God, it discerns the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. 1 Thessalonians 2 talks about how the Word of God is at work in believers. Psalm 119 says God's Word tastes sweeter than honey. Friends, when God's Word gets inside you, it it is God Himself getting inside you so that He can strengthen you to fend off lies and root out sin by exposing your deepest thoughts and intentions. Becoming a Christian meant following Jesus to the death to self, which means God gets in you and roots out the stuff that doesn't fit with His holiness. This is not some sort of external, human-bound, your willpower, your resources, your smarts kind of life. This is agreeing to let God get in you. To strengthen you to fend off lies. And to root out the sin by letting his word expose your deepest thoughts and intentions. That is the necessary component to God's power being accessed. And that's why we call you, call us all, uh, to study the Bible. Pray and study the Bible here at FCC so that God can uh, continue to do his work inside you. So there's the the, the word, the study of the Bible piece. Here's the prayer piece. Keep reading here, verse 18. Then, verse 18, praying at all times, meaning as an ongoing conversation with God, praying at all times in the Spirit in a way that accords with God's will, with all prayer and supplication, with all prayers and requests. So pray at all times in the Spirit with all your prayers and requests. To that end, keep alert, meaning stay awake for your battle with sin. Keep alert and stay awake for your battle with sin with all perseverance, making supplications, requests for all the saints. So pray not just for yourself, but for one another in this ongoing uh, fight against sin. Maintain an ongoing personal dialogue with God throughout the day. Maintain a heart-to-heart conversation with God that keeps you focused in your battle against sin and evil. So prayer and word. Let's get practical. Uh, Here at First Christian Church, uh, we we basically try to integrate uh, prayer and word, prayer and Bible into just about everything we do because the daily rhythm of prayer and word will not only give you access to the power of God to change your heart and to shape your soul, but it will also help you over time develop the spiritual muscle required to support the fruitful and joyful kingdom life God has for you. Let me say that again because it's a mouthful, but also because it's important to understand what's behind our vision, habit number four of pray and study the Bible. We try to integrate prayer and word into basically everything we do because the daily rhythms of prayer and word will not only give you access to the power of God to change your heart and to shape your soul, but prayer and word will also over time for you help develop the spiritual muscle required to support the joyful and the fruitful life God wants for you and that you want for you. So let me share uh, some ways we do this. This isn't exhaustive, but... It gives you a pretty good picture. In our worship gatherings every Sunday, in four services at both locations, we incorporate prayer and Bible study multiple times. We pray together, we read the Scriptures together, we sit under the authority of the Scriptures in our, in our lives to unpack what it means for us. In the worship guide every Sunday... There's a space for sermon notes. There are study questions uh, that can be used to help you apply the message in your own life. Those study questions serve as the curriculum for our life group discussions. There's also space on the Connect card uh, for sharing prayer requests. Speaking of which, we maintain a weekly prayer list. That is prayed over by our care team, um, by staff, by elders, and whomever else wants to see it. It's provided in the care room, it's provided in the hub, it's provided in the Pulse email each week, and on a sheet of paper that you can get, uh, I already mentioned that, in the hub. Also, we send out, by the way, a Wednesday text message blast um, asking how we can pray for you. And each week, dozens of people respond. Uh, It's real cool to see that interaction. Uh, every Sunday, the care room, which we have at both our campuses, the care room's a place to come and pray and to talk with someone who can help minister to you. Uh, in fact, one cool thing is that right now, as we are in this worship service, as we're speaking, there's a team of people uh, praying, not only for the prayer list, but for our Sunday morning services, which is super cool. Uh, every Tuesday, our care team leaders meet, and they pray, and they talk over how to care for people well. Uh, That happens on Tuesdays. Uh, Also, every Sunday, this is cool, as a part of our serving teams that happen on Sunday, they incorporate prayer into their huddles, uh, which is an important way. It's an important way to uh, get hearts and minds ready to serve well. Um, Once a week, our sermon-based life groups are asked to spend 45 minutes discussing how to apply the Word of God to their lives. They're also asked to spend 20 minutes praying together Uh, In our life group leaders training, life group leaders are asked to pray for every single one of their life group members every day. So if you get in a life group, (laughs) we'll pray for you every day. Uh, Also, every Monday night, um, because of what we do in regeneration, it's a part of the curriculum. They incorporate prayer and Bible study, uh, both individually and corporately. Regeneration teaches how to have a daily walk with God. It gives meaty and very practical handles on how to grow as a Christ follower in a way that brings freedom and healing and rest from all or any of life's struggles you may have. In fact, for us, regeneration is our main discipleship training uh, environment. It's the main place where you can actually experience the process we're talking about today of how Christian growth actually works inside. I want to commend Regen to you. It's, it's opening up your hearts uh, to the Lord's work. Uh, starting in the fall each Monday night from 7.30 to 8.30 at our Greenville campus, uh, Great Questions will be what we're calling a safe place to examine Christian faith. It's a place where we're going to have a good discussion from the vantage point that assumes that all truth is God's truth. Um, leadership development is something that we do as a part of who we are. And as a part of developing leaders, we have books and articles and podcasts that we read and share constantly that are all about how to how how to study the scriptures well and and how to apply that to our lives and to those we're serving and leading right now. Paid staff and residents and anybody else that wants to join us, we're reading through a very large in-depth book called systematic theology. It's all about Christian doctrine. So there's a lot of Bible study going on right there with our leadership. And a couple of last things to, to make you aware of. Um, the hub may seem like a weird way to talk about how we integrate prayer and word, uh, but track with me for just a minute. Uh, at each one of our locations, we have what we call the hub. That's a physical place you can go to connect with our seven habits. Not only will you find people who can help you find and follow Jesus, you can find in the Hub resources um, that will help you pray and study the Bible. We've got study Bibles with very helpful notes and articles in those study Bibles that teach you how to study the Word. Um, there's, there's really, really good stuff in there. Uh, there are books about Christian beliefs and doctrine. There's a one-volume commentary on Scripture that helps uh, keep you on track with Um, how you're interpreting the scriptures. There are books that answer the question, what is the gospel? There are books about leadership. There are books about how we do church. Um, Also, if you're not sure where to start in your growth uh, in the Word of God, in the Hub we have, just it's just called a daily uh, Bible reading plan. Uh, It's a good place to start if you're not sure where. Um, There are numerous helpful resources uh, for you in the Hub each Sunday. Finally, let me tell you last thing a bit about our next-gen ministry to kids and students. Every week, we have kids and students with all the same kind of learning opportunities that we've just talked about, with prayer and the Word of God integrated into all sorts of environments weekly worship services, small groups. They have a study guide and a handout. There's even a parent resources wall and hub at our Greenville location where there are booklets and resources about how to nurture your child's faith. Um, Our family ministry, uh, our our next-gen ministry to kids and students, uh, they incorporate prayer and word uh, just like the rest of our ministries in just about every possible way. So I know that's kind of drinking from a fire hose, and I've gone fast but we incorporate these habits of prayer and word into every area of church life possible uh, because those are the right tools for the job of accessing God's power to change your life. Here's our promise to you, friends. If you routinely join us, if you routinely join us in these kinds of environments week after week, And you will commit to a daily rhythm of prayer and word. Not only will your soul be shaped increasingly after the likeness of Jesus, but you will develop over time the spiritual muscle needed to support fruitful and joyful kingdom living that God's called you to. Let's pray, friends. Father, forgive us for functioning from day to day as if, uh, as if the truth of Ephesians 6 doesn't apply to us. We ask, Lord, that you would uh, call us back to the fundamental basics of the daily rhythm of prayer and word that are a relationship with you it changes us from the inside out. Father, we ask that you would continue to shape us, that you would nurture our souls, that our hearts would be soft and ready to hear from you about all the things you you want to do in our lives. Forgive us, Lord, for shutting off that voice by maintaining habits that are about our human stick or willpower. Father, use this time to humble us so that we would be shaped by your Spirit. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.